You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. All right, y'all, welcome to session four. I am so pumped for y'all to listen to this because I feel like this is such a good evidence building session, if that makes sense. And what I mean by that is sometimes things can shift so quickly even just in our minds and how we feel about things. Like it doesn't even always mean everything in our outer world has shifted, but sometimes those internal shifts, when we name something and vocalize it and start taking those small actions can be really big. And this is the evidence for that. And sometimes it is so helpful to witness that in someone else, because when we're in it, it can feel like, oh my God, it's going to take forever. And I'm so far away from it. And all of those stories that come up, right? But when we can witness someone else's journey and be like, wow, what happened from Angie between session three and four is like what I need to hold on to right now is what I need to build evidence around. I think that is wildly useful. So I'm very hopeful that this is what this session is for you. I think it will really, really support you no matter what stage you're at in business and just excited for y'all to listen and see this shift to Angie. Here we go. How you doing? I am doing good. Thank you. Had a Monday off. Oh, you've, I've just got back from the spa. <gasps> Look at you go. <laughs> and how was so that? Good. Was it everything you wished for and more? <laughs> so smug about myself. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm be, that'll be me going to the spa now. So I had one meeting this morning. <laughs> And it finished at 9.45 and then I was free. Look <laughs> I at just, you. I just love this new me. I love this life for me. <laughs> She's fun. I literally love it. It was really good, actually. And I didn't want to go to the spa because I always have like a million reasons why it has to be a spa day versus, you know, a spa afternoon. And we all know that when you go to the spa, you only really want to be there for three hours anyway. So I was like, no, it doesn't need to be a day and it doesn't have to be a whole massive deal. And I can just call up and book it. And it was interesting just to watch my ability to go through the to-do list and be like, oh, I'll call the dentist and I'll call the garage and I'll call the, all the other people, but I won't call the spa and just book it in. So that was a, that was a thing that, of course, as soon as it's done, then you're booked and you're doing it and it's happening. And ironically, it's almost like easy to make time for once it's just done or on the schedule, it's totally right? straightforward. Mm. Just no issues yep. whatsoever. I think what Angie said here is so wildly important, which is that it's hard to book, but it's actually easy to make the time around her spa day. This is true for so many of us in so many ways. This is why I'm such an advocate for put something on your calendar that's important to you because you can fit things around what is really, really important to you. But unless you're willing to kind of like put that thing on your calendar, block out the time, time is not going to magically appear for that to happen. Like I just believe so much in we have to take that initial step of this is booked off for that. And I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not saying there's not the mindset stuff there because there is, right? But once we take that action, it's amazing how much easier things get. When we keep telling ourselves the story that I'll wait till I have the time, the time never arrives, right? We were talking about this so much last session as well. So I think this is just really good to see that evolution in her where, yes, she was feeling like she didn't have the time, but actually her realization is that it's actually quite easy to make the time. The challenge is taking that step. So of course we'll continue to work on that. But just not believing and buying into the story that there's no time is a significant shift and so important. I almost did a little jig as I went in. I was like, (laughs) in my costume. And I almost did a little kind of, oh, oh, I'm here, like running towards the the sauna. Oh my God, I love it. It's like your version of like Disney World yeah. basically. <laughs> it's just so nice and the, you know the nicest thing is locking my phone into the locker and then going in there with just 
nothing at all. Nothing to look at, mm. nothing to, to consider. And I think that forced, you can't check your email and there's nothing, you know, there's nothing that you can do is really good for me because I can also just completely switch tasks and be like, no, there's not, as soon as it's not there, it's not like I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if anything's happening. I just completely switched off for a few hours. So it was totally great. I think that's actually really something that's like super helpful for you to like know about yourself that you can do the switch off pretty easily. I think that's not true for everyone. So I think to like know that about yourself and actually capitalize on that is really important. Yeah. So just in terms of the the base camp task was, I think you set it like maybe three weeks ago and it was to have no more than two. I think it was, I think you said one. I was like, I think I need two things in in every day. (laughs) I think one's going to be pushing it because I already had things scheduled in. So I did take some things out that were scheduled in and I did write the letter to the client to say, I'm not going to be delivering those final sessions and I'll come back to that in a minute but I, I took things out of the calendar but also I've had my VA be really really consistent about when they go in they go in as as early in the morning as possible so that I don't have kind of I don't have to switch tasks too many times and have big bits of the day in the middle and then be cut because I feel like I'm almost dreading anything at the end of the day at the moment. So I've just sort of reorganized things a bit in, in the calendar. And that feels really good because there's something of a full stop at the end of the second one. And that's like, okay, now I've got the rest of the day and now I can go for the walk or now I can do the things. And so it's giving me a bit of insight into what I will need in the best case scenario moving forward. So even though this may be a bit kind of trying to retrofit some of this because stuff is already in the calendar it does give me a sense that I'm definitely a morning person I need to get things done like before lunchtime ideally and then I need to have that afternoon time to do going to the spa or going for a walk or spending time with Arthur and and mentally I feel like the day opens up for me when I've done some of the face-to-face stuff yes it could just even be one hour or a half an hour meeting at the end of the day but it feels like the day's really shut down so I don't know what that's about but (laughs) I'm noticing it quite strongly well I think it's so smart because what you're really doing is you're just trying to figure out like what is my rhythm and can I match my business to that a little bit better right and I think that that's such a gift to give yourself where there's not like a right or wrong way to do this it's just like what feels really good to you so feeling like hmm that like ending point feels really delicious and like really makes it easy for me to you know, like take the time for myself or whatever. Like, I think it's just sort of being like, who cares why? That's just what I need. You know what I mean? Yeah. So something that seems so, I think, simple and maybe even obvious, but can be really hard to do is just like allowing ourselves to have a rhythm that works for us and to have desired, and then to really match that with our scheduling calendar, right? I feel like we almost plan those things so separately, right? We're like, I have desires over here and then I have a calendar or schedule over here. Instead of being like, hey, naturally for me, it works better to whatever, wake up later. And so can I plan my calendar to match that? Naturally for me, it works better to always have a break in the middle of the day. Can I plan for that? Like, I think that sometimes we get so conditioned to think that it's supposed to look a certain way that we don't always take that step to be like, what is natural for me? What do I want the most? What does feel best to me? And then can I just schedule for that? Can I just make that happen? Can I build my business around that? When you do, you create such a sustainable business because you'll want to stay in it. When you build a schedule or a calendar that absolutely fights your natural rhythms, it is going to be so much harder to maintain and sustain, right? And that's when we do get closer and closer to burnout, right? That's exactly what we're seeing with Angie is kind of like taking these calls at times that did not work for her, did not serve her, do not match her natural rhythm. Makes it really challenging to sustain even if and when you're making great money. So this is your reminder. This is a check-in to do for yourself this week. Do you actually know what natural rhythm feels best to you? Do you know what your desires are there? And have you matched your schedule and calendar with that? Because it will make all the difference. And I really have enjoyed the sessions that I've been doing in the mornings. I've been like, oh, 
who needs to employ associates to deliver any of my training? I love delivering this <laughs> Don't even try me. <laughs> Do I really need these yes, roles? Yes, <laughs> I totally love doing this. So it, it, it's... it's you like, what in the world? Why do I even need help? So, I, but it is funny how as soon as one's liberated from the idea of doing it, it's like, oh, this is the best work I've ever done. <laughs> I love the mornings. Yes. And, and so I've been also just feeling the feeling of, oh, there will be people here who are doing a lot of this. They can meet the needs of my clients, which is the people pleaser in me just feels like, Oh, I know how much they are going to need, especially in Europe, in Europe time zones. They're going to need the end of the day because they teach all day, they work all day, and then they have meetings in the late afternoon, early evening. But I can also feel that I left working in education so that I didn't have to work after school. So the business is serving people who need something from me. And I don't feel like, oh, well people are just going to have to take what they get, you know, that these are the times and this is when they're going to have to make themselves available. I do feel a level of a good degree of I want to serve the people that I serve really, really well and give them what they need. And so just looking at that and thinking, well, others will be available in the business to serve the clients at exactly the time that they need. And I can still work with clients in Southeast Asia and other time zones in the morning when I feel really kind of perky. Um, It's just... Yeah, it feels really exciting. (laughs) That is so awesome. I think it's like so cool too to see like, obviously last time we were talking about like, okay, are we like kind of getting close to burnout? What does that look like? But it's also like really good to see like that felt like yes and true. And like you made a few shifts that could make a really big difference and not getting super like far down that rabbit hole. So I think it's just like good to give yourself that credit. Like you weren't like, oh, I'm like so far, you know, into this that I kind of can't see my way out. You're like, it's actually pretty easy and obvious what I want. I just have to kind of like take the steps to let myself have that, you know? I think that the the space that has come, I have to be careful because I can feel myself wanting to commit to more things. And mm. I can kind of like, I'm like, <laughs> oh, now that I've even considered it, I'm ready to take on loads of other stuff. And, and I do <laughs> I just have to watch that. But at the same time, there's a lot of trust that because there are other things that I can see myself wanting to take on and because people are also getting in touch and, you know, there's more of the not so much seven inquiries, but like nine inquiries, there's a lot of trust building that it's going to be okay. And this could be a bit of a, it feels like a massive pause, but it's probably not as big as it feels. So yeah, that's been really good. I think what's really helpful to see here is like, (laughs) you kind of like, have the map to get out but you haven't walked out yet so while it's really good to have the map like we also don't want to like draw all over it when you haven't kind of like (laughs) walked all the way out yet so I feel like it's a little bit of both ends like I think you can strategically look at like what can I say yes to that fits into these parameters that I'm setting up but also well, knowing there's still kind of many things like you still have to onboard two team members at least, right? Mm, yeah. Things like that that are about to get quite full on, you know? Yeah. And I think there's also more like potentially 10 people who are going to be associate sort of roles that people are applying for. And I still haven't ironed out the OBM thing at all. So I just need to, yeah, just get, offer myself the space that those things will be worked out and I can... There is a bit of a timeline because there is September coming and, you know, I do need to have people in place then. But I feel, yeah, I'm feeling a good degree of trust about it and also just tentatively feeling into potentially not feeling burnt out and not feeling stressed and not feeling like I've been reflecting a lot on what you said, you know, not making decisions from the point of not wanting to be in the business at all and like creating a business that I'm not in at all. (laughs) Yes. And so that, that feels, that's really shifted. But I did want to just say something about the process of writing to the client to say that I wasn't going to be doing the delivery at the end of the year. So I wrote a really kind of perky, isn't it, exciting email. And I was like, oh, you know, of course it's going to be received brilliantly because I found the right form of words. And of course, I got on a call with them because I was delivering with them that week. And she was like, yeah, can we have a word about the email that you sent? And I was like, oh, God. You're like, no. <laughs> I think it's very clear. 
day. And so I had to deliver the session for two and a half hours, but also with the knowledge and awareness that at the end of it, there was going to be this sort of big conversation. And it was so interesting because I'm such a people pleaser. Oh, that's kind of horrible. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like quite scared all all the way through. One of the, uh, she just cited a piece of research in the session that was like, oh, we've been reading about, it was about race in schools. And I was like, oh, because one of my associates, who's, a, who's definitely an associate already, uh, wrote the research article that she was talking about. So I was like, oh, no problem. Stop. Got you covered. Mm. Don't worry. We, <laughs> we've got, yeah, she's on the team. And so, the, so then the conversation happened and I was able to say, oh, you know, the research you were citing earlier, that's actually one of a uh, really good friend of mine, but also one of our associates. And I was hoping to pair her up with you because she's got lived experience and she's also this researcher and her PhD is in this. And I was kind of talking about it and she was coming round to the idea and then she could see, oh, yeah, that totally makes sense for the business. I can see how that works. But we brought you in because we want you. And so I had to have mm-hmm. the conversation about mm-hmm. I really recognize that. And these are the people who I really think could do a brilliant job because they have this lived experience. And it was really good to articulate it out loud because I think I can write yeah. it, but actually saying it to somebody's feelings is different to just writing it and hoping for the best. So it felt kind of, I felt like, oh yeah, I know how I will articulate that to other clients. It's probably not going to come up so much because I've been paving the way for them not having me anyway. Yeah. But if and when it does, I think the model feels good, but also just knowing that, oh wow, I have a really good network of people who are going to do great work as well. And I can genuinely say they are going to do a really good job. So that that just felt great too. So I just wanted to toot, toot, ring, toot the horn there. <laughs> oh my gosh, toot, toot. Like that's so big. And also I think so cool that like, you know, like the hardest part is officially behind you. Mm. Like you did it once. You found that you have like the wording and the language and the evidence and the reasoning and like it only gets easier from here. So I think that's really exciting too. Like it will never be as, hard as the two hours yeah. we're sitting there being like oh my god we have to have this conversation like that right like so it's just like kind of amazing to have like gotten the opportunity to work through that early on so that it's just like out of your mind as a thing now yeah. you know yeah I love this evidence that Angie got here about that tough client conversation and something I think that happens so often in business is once we do a tough thing once then we have the words and evidence around it that makes it so much easier to do again, right? To me, when people talk about ease, this is actually what we're talking about. The ease is there because they've done the hard things, right? And it gets better and it gets easier. It's not because I only did the things that were easy, right? It's because I had the tough client conversation. I did it once which creates a lot of ease in now having words and evidence and context to do it again. That, my friends, is ease, right? So I really want to make note of that because I think that sometimes, you know, it feels like I should only do the thing that feels easy. And really it's once I do a thing one time that feels challenging, it gets easier and easier to the point where it does feel like there's a ton of ease, right? Like Angie will get to a point where there's so much ease around having other people deliver her programs that it's not even a thought, but it starts by doing a thing that feels challenging and then building the evidence from that, which is exactly what she did. And I think it's so helpful to witness and see that in someone else. I think it's one of those things that I know I'll look back on and go, do you remember the time when you struck me, like when you changed the business model and you had that really uncomfortable two and a half hours where you felt like a little kid? And there are those markers, aren't there, in business where you just, you don't really know they're happening. And then you look back and go, that was, that was the gateway to a completely different structure or something that's liberated something. And it feels really tiny in a way, but it's, but it's kind of huge. So, yeah. Well, if you think about it in the like very broad, you know, scheme of your business and what we're talking about, like you had an uncomfortable two and a half hours and then actually a really productive conversation. Mm. That's all it took to basically like put you in a position where it's not all on you, where you're not the only one, where you're not like, you know, cascading toward burnout. Like that's so amazing. Like that that's actually all that was kind of in the way. Do you know what I mean? A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And 
it's never as bad. And then it's like, okay, well, what's the worst that could happen? It was so helpful when you said, you know, the best case scenario for them is that you do end up delivering those two sessions. So in a way, it's like a huge barrier that's actually five hours of my time. <laughs> so even if yeah. even if she'd been like, no, we refuse, we want you, then the worst that can happen is still not that bad. So yeah, it was good. So good. Such a celebration. And I feel like I can just tell in your energy when you tell me if that builds through too bit, there's just like a lightness yeah. that feels like it's come here. Not that you're maybe not still like, I'm still yeah. a little crispy or <laughs> yeah. whatever, but it's like, it feels less heavy, yeah. right? I definitely feel a lot better. So I talked about this a bit in the intro, but it's just so cool to see how much can shift and how much lightness can come through in one week, right? Last week was feeling so heavy. We were having burnout conversations, right? And so much has shifted in this one week for her. And so what I really want the takeaway to be here is not that it always has to shift that quickly, but that it can, right? That we can feel so challenged and so heavy in one week and not like that. And in so much more ease and lightness the next. And so obviously Angie took some actions to make that happen. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But I also think what she really did is just gave herself permission to say, yes, this is not working for me how it is. And I'm ready to make some changes. And sometimes even that in and of itself, naming that, owning that, speaking that out loud can create such a tremendous weight being lifted. So remember that this gets to be true for you too. If you're in a place of business of feeling really heavy, know that it could literally be different in one week, right? Hold that belief for yourself, hold that possibility, use this as evidence, because I know sometimes when we're in it, it can feel like we're gonna be in it forever. And this is such good evidence that that is not true. There's a few moving pieces still, and there are still some things that are straggly and annoying, and they're to do with team, really, because it's like, I don't have a designer who I really can just rely on all the time. And that that really stresses me out because aesthetic is such a massive part of what we do. And I spend a lot of time, I don't do any of it now, but I just know that there's a backlog of stuff. I did a load of stuff last week on the web design so that was a project that I was just had you know on the list and I did a load of copy wrote a load of copy last week and got that off my plate which felt really good I found a Thinkific designer so the online learning platform can hopefully take a bit more shape so there were a few things that I was able to organize that didn't actually take a lot of time but they've been on the back of my mind and I do I feel lighter but the lightness is probably meaning that I don't think I'm not creating jobs, but I'm certainly able to actually get through some of the things on the to-do list in a way that I have been, I've just been like, no, it's going to be Netflix because I can't, I can't. Because <laughs> it's not going to be that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so just feeling like I've got the energy to even look at the list and cross some things off has been, has just felt yeah. really good. What comes up for me so much is almost like this idea of like all you needed was to know that that freedom was accessible Mm. to you and then once you felt it like it's easier to like move through all the other things when you don't feel like that freedom is accessible to you like we're gonna find ourselves pushing against it and then being like screw it I'm gonna watch Netflix or like getting that fix in some way and it's almost like as soon as you were like I'll just you know move something on my calendar or I'll just block this off or whatever then it's like easier to actually do the task because you're not like nah, I'm going to find freedom here. Like that thing that our brains do to us, right? Mine does that all the time. If I'm not giving myself that space, it'll be like, I'm going to eat chocolate and sit on the couch. I'm like, do you really want to do that though? Right? Mm. It's so true. It's so true. And it's not even like, I literally do not have an OBM and I literally do not have any associates delivering any of the work. So it's even in the possibility of it that it creates a load of space which is just amazing so good so similarly to talking about how much can shift in one week i think what's really important to see here is like once we get the freedom like feeling that we're craving it's so interesting what opens up right like it's not like angie has been able to have a ton of big changes like immediately right 
but the feeling is what's important. The feeling that's backing it is what's giving her some of that lightness that's come back in this week. So I think that's really important to remember too, is sometimes we feel like I won't be able to feel differently until X, Y, Z things on my calendar all change. And that's not necessarily true. I will feel differently once I feel empowered to shift those things. Once I start having a plan to shift those things, once I vocalize that out loud and decide I'm shifting those things, ultimately all it comes down to is getting back into our power around it. And when we get back into that power and back into that feeling of freedom, it is so amazing how much easier stuff feels. Yes, we still have to go do those practical changes, but coming from that really empowered place to do those feels 10 times better and so much easier. So this is just the reminder that sometimes we have to go feeling first. It is not always I make all these practical shifts and then I feel something differently. Sometimes it is, I shift how I'm feeling about it and then the practical changes come and are easier to make because of it. Okay, so what feels like, I mean, obviously next steps are getting the associates in the OBM, but I feel like you're very much like in process, in progress around mm -hmm. that. What feels like is kind of next on your plate? So this situation with inquiries. Yes, got to figure that out. Because it, it would be really... <laughs> Yes, also thinking like for the partnership model, it'd be quite nice if I actually made some money, wouldn't it? <laughs> I think that would be good for you too. So I think that that would also be good for me because um, the school year is a bit weird. And so there is always really a dry period in July, August and really September. Yes. So I kind of need to, I just need to be aware that my my mind tends to tell me that it's all gone. The business is over. There's nothing, nothing happening and be one of the things that I had planned was that this quarter was going to be very much about lining up um, work for kind of November, December and, and January and just making sure. You mean like getting that book? Getting it booked saying. in and making sure that it feels yeah. really spacious and nice and relaxed during August and during those sort of quiet times when the phone's not ringing and there's no inquiries coming in. Because it's ten it tends to be inquiries that calm my central nervous system. It's not actually the bookings. It's just... A steady flow yes. of inquiries. So I've got a kind of range of different things that are, you know, people are saying that they want to do. And I've passed a couple of them on to other people because they were to create. We talked about me creating something that would maybe make me some money, but also would answer some yeah. of those queries. And some of them felt a little bit too out of. Um, Just yeah. So I've had a few meetings this week. With, I've had three meetings this week with different people and they're all, they're probably going to become, you know, clients standard as in doing the standard program. But two of them sit outside of that and I still have this idea of creating a course or I have this course and, you know, and I have a course structure in my mind, well, on paper now, that would attend to some of those inquiries. And it's also just thinking about okay. like where the offers sit and this would be the first offer, I guess, the, the base offer or the, you know, the foundational offer. But I also have had an inquiry about a corporate thing, um, a bit mm. more of a corporate. Well, it's still education, but I'm saying corporate because it's a big group of schools who own lots okay. of different school brands ah. and they operate as a corporate organization because they're you know they're 100% independent and um, international that seems like a very big deal yeah and it kind of is because they are also their name also means something to other similar organizations who and those are the people I ideally want to be working with so I don't know how to say this really I just know that 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 once I start doing that work that kind of creates the foundation for branching into corporate corporate because Absolutely. this helps me build a structure and so I've just had a meeting with them today and I guess I feel really comfortable with having the expertise to do everything that they need and to support them and with team and everything that working really well I feel really good about my boundaries about the kind of work that I want to do because they had an idea about what they wanted me to do which I feel is kind of at a level it's a sort of policy level but it isn't going to be, be deep and sustained work and so I've said to them and I've set, sown the seeds today of really I'd be looking at a two to three year relationship this is a partnership this is yeah. how we do the work and and I'm trying to slow my own mind down and not go into like 
what's the immediate kind of contract and slow down into how do we build this into something that is what the business is doing. Does that make sense? Yes. So it's not just me making some money now, but it's kind of what being Luminary as a company offers other bigger organizations. And where I come unstuck is I feel like I've never worked in corporate. I've got no clue about pricing. I have got no clue about kind of how to structure any of it. And I feel like I've got expertise, but I don't really know (laughs) what to do next. And so I guess I just want to explore how I start to position it. And maybe I'm overthinking it, but I would like to come up with something that can apply beyond just this organization and also that doesn't make me feel sick with anxiety about how much work it is going to be <laughs> there's also that yes what specifically are they well maybe let me ask this in a different way what specifically did you say you were kind of like willing to deliver for that so I said that I see before policy training across all of the schools this is just how I work you know it's DEIJ work so if we're not going to include everybody, then the premise is a little bit flawed. So I can't go in <laughs> and like work yeah. with, it doesn't work like that. I can't go in and work with five people. And also, you know, I was saying, and able to articulate, this is also my name. So if I give my name to you and we do this piece of work and it's at surface level, then I, I really do undermine my own business and my own business model. So they were really open to it. They were like, yeah, yeah, you're the expert. You know, you tell us kind of thing. So the next steps are that I need to design something and go back to them and sort of say, this is, this is what I'm looking at. So I'm thinking I need to be able to engage with everybody in the organization at some level in the first instance. And one of the ideas they had was that I potentially run a series of taster sessions that everybody can come to so that at least people in the individual schools, whether that's head teachers or individual teachers can say, oh yeah, that Angie Brown lady, she did a webinar for us on whatever it is, the organization will pay yeah. for the for that series of taster sessions or webinars or whatever they are. So the staff don't have to pay, the schools don't have to sign up for them, but they get a sense of who I am. I also would really like to, and I think it's pretty critical to do some kind of stakeholder survey. So to get to know people via finding out about their experiences of the organization, and then to to start to do the work of writing policy And then in year two, I'm also thinking about things like employee resource groups that need to be set up so that there are structures in the organization, in the wider organization that support the enactment of policies. And they were really kind of interested and keen to also explore evergreen training modules that I could that I could deliver, which, of course, I have a version of. I keep thinking, what's the edge? You know, what do I offer that's different? And I know about the content of my work, but I also think that with some of these corporate offerings, it would be interesting to consider the accreditation of some of the work that I'm doing so that people actually feel like, oh, they've done the Being Luminary program and there is either a recognition or an accreditation, which is possible through my program. It's, it is you know, it's an Institute of Leadership and Management recognized program. So people could do it and get something from it. Yeah, that's kind of, I have a loose roadmap, I guess. I just don't have much confidence in pitching it. (laughs) I'm just going to throw this out there. I'm not saying this is Mm -hmm. the right move. Let's talk it through. But what initially comes up for me is because it's like your first time really doing this, like you're allowed to let yourself figure that out. And so I'm almost like, what if we offer like phases of this package where like you say to them, like phase one is taster session, stakeholder survey and summary. Mm -hmm. And it costs X. Once we complete X, then we'll move into like a new contract for policy or something like that. Because I think that that gives you a little bit of spaciousness in the sense of like, you're not signing like a three year thing. And then you get in there and you're like, this is a disaster or whatever. Right. You kind of have the ability to like tailor it based on what's making sense, price it based on what's making sense, based on what you find out, that kind of thing. So I almost like the the idea of like, you could present them like, here's the whole roadmap. Mm -hmm. Like we do these surveys, then we move to policy, then we move to structure supporting policy, then we move to accreditation. 
but we're only committing to like this space yeah first and I actually think that could be helpful in terms of like you working with larger organizations long term too because it might be easier to get them to commit in phases kind of yeah. thing too. But they also have that, of okay, if we continued working, we know what it would look like. Yeah. Exactly. That feels great to me. Okay. And then the roadmap wouldn't need to be completely detailed either. It could be much looser and could iterate. But yeah, that was good. Literally almost just like if I'm picturing it, like I'm picturing like, there's a lot of detail around like taste yeah. discussions, survey summary. And then like for the next four things, like policy structure to support policy, evergreen training, accreditation, that's literally all yeah. it says basically. <laughs> or it's like, like blurred out. You know when you can do that? <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. You're like, oh, you're going to get this. These are sitting here for later. Don't worry about them right now kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. That feels really good. So something I really want to name here is why I'm kind of recommending that Angie really goes in pieces with this pitch and lets herself iterate. I think that so often in business, we feel like we have to make these really big, long lasting decisions right away. And it can cause us to freeze a bit because we're talking about like a two to three year project, right? That she's never done before. So deciding now what two and a half years looks like from now when she's never even done it is so much pressure that it can absolutely make you freeze, but it can also really back you into a bit of a corner <laughs> in terms of like, who knows if that's how she wants to do it. Like what she really needs to do is experience some of it and then be able to iterate from there. I think like as high performers and high achievers, sometimes our craving is to just have it all mapped out perfectly and have the exact plan in front of us. But then also as like entrepreneurs who love and crave creativity and freedom and all of those things, sometimes that can really, really not be what's best for us. So this is permission for you. If you are deciding about a big thing in your business or a big project or, you know, like a big potential client, like where is the space and room for you to go in chunks, to iterate, to take some action, learn from that action, make an adjustment? That is such a gift to give to yourself, your business, and your clients. So this is your reminder that you are actually allowed to do that. So the bit of work that I do is fleshing out this first stage. And and I feel like I want to slow everything down because, partly because, yeah, I feel like I need to work at a slower pace in order to, because this is the first time, kind of make sure that it's the right thing unhelpfully maybe the way that I work is deepening and slowing down and you you said something that's really impacted my thinking over the last few weeks and it was about this kind of fire hydrant approach I've had to like give all the things (laughs) like have loads of things versus a breadth versus the depth and, and the length of the relationship and it's really moving into a different kind of trust to trust that there will be a long-term relationship with these clients. And that means that they're getting a really small amount of work over a longer period of time that's going to feel much slower. Mm -hmm. But that feels like a really different way of working to me. So some of it, I think I'm having trouble imagining that people are going to go for it Mm -hmm. because I'm not used to offering things in that way. Do you think it's because they're like, all of this needs to be fixed tomorrow kind of thing? Or you think it's it's not even that? It's just like literally new for you. I think my, yeah, I think people tend to have an, an action bias around DEIJ because for sure. they get anxious about being caught out and doing it wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to get it wrong and someone's going to find out. And, and sometimes there's an inciting incident. So people do have, are coming with a problem. But I also think it really taps into my people-pleasing, it's never enough, I need to do more psychology. So the two things are, it's a great relationship. <laughs> it's a bit like when I was a head teacher. I'm a great head teacher because I never think I've done enough and the school will never think you've done enough. So it's like, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> so, it matches so, so well. You can just work for 20 hours a day and it's all good. And I think because I'm a black woman, often in really white spaces, I've always gone in thinking 
the way to do this and to get this and the way to like, I don't know, get this job or whatever it is to the, get this promotion is to have done more than everybody else. So I still have a little, a lot of that psychology of that I have to be yeah. really well spoken, really well executed. It has to look great. There must be no typos in it and it must be masses and masses and masses in order for it to be a yes for somebody else. And so doing less just feels, it's not exactly anxiety. It's just, yeah, it just confronts a part of me that doesn't believe 100% that it's possible. And yet the evidence is that I see so much more clarity in the message when I do less and people find it so much easier to do less with me because you can't rush DEIJ work anyway. So, yeah. (laughs) I feel like there's this way, and I'm trying to think of like how to articulate this without sounding terrible. So hear me out. (laughs) But I feel like there's almost like, this way of like, they need you way fucking more than you need yeah. them. And I feel like you need that attitude a little bit more. And listen, recognizing that is not the easiest thing to adopt overnight and that there is a lot of nuance to that. But that's the actual yeah. facts here. Do you know what I mean? Like they need you to come in and fix mm. shit. And that's why when you were saying to them, like, you know, hey, I think I should talk to everyone in the organization. They were like, give me out, whatever yeah. you think. Like, right? Like they need you more than you need them. Like you don't need this booking, although I think it sounds yeah. like an amazing opportunity, right? Like, so I feel like it's almost treating it like that. Like you are the expert. You are the one that dictates how this mm. goes. You are the one that they need and not the other way around. Like it's almost like like they're getting lucky to hire yeah. you and not the other way around. Does that make sense? It completely makes sense. Okay, so I want to talk a bit about this idea of someone being really lucky to hire you and why that attitude matters. Now, I think there can be this like super egotistical way that this comes out in our industry where it's like, hi, peasant, you're so lucky to hire me kind of vibe, right? And they definitely do not mean that. I mean, like, I understand the value I bring. And I think that is truly a gift for someone else to get from me. Angie understands the value she's going to bring to this organization and how much they really, really need her to do that. And she gets to act with that in mind, right? It does not mean that I am not also incredibly lucky that someone hires me or that Angie is not also incredibly grateful for this opportunity, right? It's like an even exchange. But I think sometimes we air the opposite way where we're like, oh my God, I would just be so lucky if they hired me and that's all we focus on. So this is just about bringing more balance to that dynamic. Like, yes, I would be so lucky if they hired me and so would they. I remember feeling like that with a client that I took on from the waitlist not too long ago. It's like, I really felt like, oh gosh, there's so much I can support you with. Like, I I think that it's gonna be such a good situation for you to work with me. And I feel so lucky to work with you too. And like that dynamic, fitting together is really what we're after here, right? It also is what helps create less grabby grippiness, right? It's like not feeling like you absolutely need that one client because you know you're great at what you do and anyone would be lucky to hire you. So just a reminder, it is not like everyone sucks and they're just lucky to have me. That's not it, right? But It's also not like, oh my God, I'm just so lucky to have them. It's that middle ground where we're not grippy, we're not grabby, but we're totally in our power. We see our value and we're willing to show up and act from that place. I was just reflecting on this in the spa and thinking I really don't need the work in the way that I felt that I did when I set out three years ago. Right. And it's not because I don't need the money. It's nothing like that. It's more like I don't need to take the compromise in the work. Exactly. In the way that I did. So I priced myself really low. I've created a, you know, a situation <laughs> where I'm, I was delivering at seven at night to people, all sorts of things that are just not okay. And also just I took on so much of the work. So they haven't really had to do very much because I was doing a lot of it for them and helping them and, you know, trying to prove the model works and trying to prove the training works through doing a lot. And now that I'm stepping back, I'm, I feel a lot of that kind of, I don't need you because I, I know what creating a business around feeling 
that I need you means for me. It ultimately means I'm going to be burnt out <laughs> doing work that I don't necessarily believe sure in. Does. Yeah. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I feel like if I get it right and I end up doing something, I'm creating something I'm really proud of and I feel like is so in integrity that I will be able to sing that from the rooftops and also say, I don't need you and really know that you need me. Yes. And I think what's so helpful about this particular setup is, you know, again, this is one of those things that's easier said than done, but like if they wanted it to be rushed, they would literally not be the right client for you at this time in your life and business and model and structure and all of that. So if they were like, oh, wow, like that sounds great, but we actually wanted you to solve all of our policy issues within the first five months. Like they literally do need to just hire someone else because that's not what you're willing to deliver at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I have the chance to create something and have them say, no, this is just not for us and be able to be like, okay. I'm not going to say that. No, I don't think they are. But yes. (laughs) But yes, it's important. It's both. It's important to be like, they're not going to say that. Yeah. While simultaneously being like, and even if they did, oh, well, kind of thing, right? Like, I think that's such a beautiful middle ground that we're like, it serves all relationships. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, in, in all regards, to be able to be like, I think that you really want to be here and I'm going to trust that. But if you didn't, I would trust you to leave too. You know what yeah. I mean? So yeah, it's kind of exciting. Really exciting. Okay. So are we kind of in agreement? You're going to pitch them phase one. Yeah. We'll let them know there are other phases, but like lucky them, yeah. they get you for phase one. <laughs> you don't know what you've done, Lacey. You've literally opened up the, see, this half of my brain is going, Roadmap. Okay, so graphic designer, roadmap. How do I create a like the most beautiful looking infographic? Ro- <laughs> That's what you've created now. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and now I'm R- rabbit hole <laughs> engaged. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no. I will work on the the overall stages and then the initial one and looking at pricing for I just think I'm gonna look at the I guess I need a rough idea of what the overall would be just to sort of get a sense of where that would sit within a, I've got no clue. I think something that would also be helpful too is to really understand, and you might know this already from your conversation today, but for me, what's coming up is to understand how many people in their organization we're even talking about, because if, that might be a way to think about pricing as well. Yeah. I don't have the answer to that right now, but that's a really good point. You could, yeah, that might just be like a great follow-up email is to be like, hey, just want you to know I'm working on this. Would love to understand like a number in terms of like how many people we're looking at organizationally before I give you a, what are we calling it? Oh my God, words. I'm going to give them a proposal. Proposal. There we go. <laughs> proposal. With this kind of thing, do people who work in corp, so I'm always imagining corporate clients would have a budget per head then for kind of training and development for their is that how they look at it or do they would they be like oh we have this pot of money available for DEIJ or well-being or I think it depends I think that it really does depend on organization but I think typically it's more like pot versus per person but the reason I think it's helpful for you to know per person is one because scope and scale obviously Mm. matters for you in terms of figuring that out but two like I think that's also like a great way to help them frame up the price point. Yeah. Like, I'm just making this up. I have no idea what it'll be, but it's like less than $3 per yeah. <laughs> person or whatever. So I, it's not that I think they're necessarily thinking about it just through that lens, but I actually think it's really important for you in terms of like understanding what you're getting into, mm. number one, and then number two, how you can kind of pitch it or frame it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. And I definitely, when I did my I kind of reverse engineered the pricing on the program, and thought, actually, even if I, I never articulate a per head cost, I always just say, this is what the program costs. Yeah. But in the back of my mind, I know what it costs per head and it's really competitive. So there is something about, yeah, knowing. You might not even share it initially. It might only come up if there's a question mark or something. Yeah. But I think it's just good that you'll feel that backing in yourself and feel that when you're like sharing the pricing. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's interesting times. I'm going to try not to sort of go beyond this one, <laughs> this one, yes. this one client, and just sort of work this through, because I I have other people who are who are inquiring, and I'm not. Well, 
you know, gently inquiring, we mustn't meet, we must talk about this thing. And I'm just not getting back to it and saying, yes, yes, we must, but we're not arranging anything. But it feels like it would be really good to not have too many hairs running and there's still quite a lot that's straggly. So, yeah. I feel like this. what's really coming up for me is like, this is really the right thing at the right time for you. Mm. Like, this is one of those opportunities that it actually makes sense to build out this structure. You mentioned corporate stuff to me before, you know, we ever even began, right? And so it feels like this is what we were talking about. Like, where does it make sense that it's like you getting paid to build out an offer that you ultimately want in your business? This opportunity, this corporation, this like, kind of name and notoriety and all of those things. Like everything's set up where this one makes yeah. sense to be the one to double down on. And it's interesting when it came up. Like had this come up two weeks ago, I think you could have been like, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? We're not doing so, it. So, you know, yeah. everything that you've ever told me about your story, right, is certainly like it just falls into place when it's meant to and it feels like this is bad. So, so good. It really is incredible just the magic of it. I feel good about it. I feel calm about it. I don't feel like if it doesn't work out, then that's great because I was too feeling too overwhelmed to do it anyway. I just feel, I feel really good about it. Yeah. I'll get those next steps done. So exciting. Okay. Well, feel free to send that my way. Like yeah. the, you know, get some numbers from them, then we'll talk pricing and stuff from there. But I feel like you could get them a proposal pretty quickly and move on this. Yeah, so we've got a meeting scheduled in. They want to get a contract signed by the end of June. So we've got a meeting in two weeks' time for me to get them the first. So I want to get something to them before we have that meeting so they can have a chance to have a look at it. And then we have a second meeting to kind of finalise the bits that they want to finalise before we move into contract stage, which would be good. So yeah. So exciting. Oh my gosh, celebrating you. Celebrating you that this opportunity is happening while you're going to the spa and taking more walks and blocking your calendar. Like, this is exactly what we were talking about and you just like ran with it. So huge congrats. I'm here in Basecamp to process this and I'll Thank you so much, Lacey. Thanks for everything. See you soon. You're so welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business but are short on time, then you are going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions just go to a lituplife.com forward slash back pocket to dive in.